God, be merciful to me, a sinner. You know, the, uh, Leonard Bernstein, the great uh, conductor of New York Philharmonic Orchestra, was once asked, what was the hardest instrument to play? And without a second of a doubt, he said, the second fiddle. He said, I can always get somebody to play the first fiddle. I can always get somebody to play the first violin. But he says, the second fiddle, if you can find somebody to play that with enthusiasm, is really hard. Because, in fact, he says, if we don't have the second fiddle, then we never have any harmony. We need the second fiddle. It's the hardest instrument to play. I, I think uh, that's sort of emblematic of our, of our society, especially here in Silicon Valley. And nobody wants to be the second fiddle. Everyone wants to be on top. And for, I mean, the whole of our society is driven by, you know, you've got to be the strongest, the biggest, the fastest, the smartest. Um, and even here in Silicon Valley, that's probably on steroids, right? I mean, that's sort of like, you, you, it's, and, and I get it. It's not, it's not, striving to be our best is not a bad thing in itself. Um, but when that's how we think we define ourselves, it becomes problematic. You see, uh, um, the great uh, Father Thomas Merton um, once said that, um, he, he called it the false ego, uh, that, that this idea that we are what we do, we are what we have, we are what we consume. And he says that that is a false ego because the true ego knows that we are the, a child of God. It's who we are that matters, not what we do or what we have or what we, uh, or what we uh, consume. Uh, Thomas Merton's right in, in that sense. That, uh, but I think the struggle for us is that we, we bring this even into our prayer life. I mean, we who are good Catholics, here you are on a Sunday morning at church, and those at home watching, you're striving to be good Christians, and yet we find ourselves in the same sort of competitive environment of, of trying to be the best version of ourselves. Uh, it's almost like we believe more in the economy of merit and sacrifice but God's economy is more mercy and grace. You see, fundamentally, like, and I don't know how we get this out of our system, but fundamentally we still believe we're going to earn our way to salvation, that the more good we do, the better chance we have in getting into heaven. And I'm part of it. The church has been to blame for this because we've thought that way. But that the, eternal life is a gift, Salvation is all gift. We can never merit it. I mean, it's, the scriptures are full of this. And today, yet again, I, I, here's this Pharisee, right? Who, who, who's a good person, by the way, right? This isn't a bad person. This is a, a person who was faithful to, to the scriptures. He fasts twice a week. He tithes his income from everything. And he prays regularly. Now, but his prayer is conceited. His prayer is self-centered. The prayer is focused on the false ego. Because he says, look what I have done. Look what I have done. I'm not like them. 
I'm great. I deserve salvation. That's what the underlined subtext is. Whereas um, Jesus comes along and says, he's not justified at all. The one who's justified is the one who's humble. This is the tax collector who would have known to be the one who was collaborating with the occupiers. Right? You know, this was despicable. And he was collecting money and taking some on the side. And he is justified because he was humble. Because he, he didn't claim merit. He claimed humility. He recognized the limitation of his own actions. That who he was was that he relied on the economy of God's grace and mercy. And so, so that's what we're called to do. We're called to be humble. I mean, I don't want us to not strive to be our best version of ourselves. I think we ought to strive to be our best version of ourselves in business and in, in our personal lives and also in our, in our, in our spiritual lives. But, but let's not fool ourselves in thinking that that's what's getting us ahead. What's getting us ahead is, is that that's grace and that we ought to be grateful for the grace that even allows us to strive for that. So I, I know that sounds, but let me give an example. It's, it's, it's hard. It's, it's sometimes when we have something taken away from us before we realize that it's a grace. Let me give you a quick sample. Like, I, when I remember when I was at my, um, when I was living down in my old house in, in, in Almaden, I used to have to put out the trash. Um, I'm sure some of your boys and girls Friday morning pickup. Now, there was days I didn't want to put out the trash, and I'm sure some of your boys and girls here can relate to that. You never, you know, trash again. Okay, I got to go out and do the trash, right? And you get, you get this frustration, like, oh, I got it again. Why don't the other priests do the trash? Like, why am I always doing it? Like, I'm the pastor. Why do I always have to do the trash? Why can't I get the other guy to do it? And, but I would go out and do it. Then one week, I hurt myself badly. I wasn't able to go out and do the trash. Not unlike I hurt myself this week with my knee, but anyway, but I wasn't able to even walk to the curbside. And I remembered the trash, and I longed to do the trash. That's strange. Like, I longed to do the trash because I longed to be able to do the trash. You see, so, so what am I meaning? So, so my point is, sometimes it has to be taken away from us to realize, what is grace? Grace is the ability to be able to do something. Grace is given, that God gives us the ability to do good. So we, it, 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 it's not because we, well, we're a better person because we do the trash. That's not it. But it's a grace that we do this, and therefore we ought to do it. Does that make sense? And so, so, so here, how do we get to this mindset all the time instead of just like one inspirational moment on a Sunday morning and then we go home and we forget about it? Well, I, I don't know. See, I think it's it, this mindset that this tax sector has in prayer is of humility. And I think one of the best ways of humility in prayer is one of silence and listening. That when we go to the, the that we don't fill our prayer life with all these words about telling God what to do, how to run our lives, and more importantly, how to run other people's lives. But instead, we, we say something simple, oh Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner, and then pause and listen to what God has to say. See, I think one of the more humble things we can do in our prayer life is to listen to God in the silence. Silence is God's primary language. 
behind love. I mean, that's how, silence is how he speaks to us, but we have to, I know it sounds funny, but we have to listen in the silence. And in the silence comes the wisdom and the insight into our lives. Now, I hope if we could do this in our prayer life, then we can do it with one another. Because I, I, I think we tend to fill the air with words between us. And instead, it, it would be better to ask a question and let somebody else have the, the words. To learn to listen to other people's stories. Learn to listen to their pain, their struggles, their successes, their joys. And in doing that, we become humble and recognize the gift of God's grace right in front of us. So today, my hope is when we come to the table that we, we recognize that, uh, that we're no better off than somebody else next to us. And we're certainly not better off than the homeless person or the person who has drank too much who is not here. That's not because of marriage that we're here. to be here. And, that, and it's a joy to be able to come to be able to be here. And that because, not out of merit, but out of grace and mercy. And from here, we share the joy by being humble, listening to each other's stories, most of all, listening to God in the silence of our heart.